Yeah, it's not just another average multifamily deal that everybody else is sharing. So uh, it gets people excited, especially the people that love being outdoors and they, they love camping already. It's like, you know, this is spot on with what what, uh, what what makes sense to them. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome back to the Gentle Art of Crushing It uh, podcast, Passive Investing Edition. Uh, my name is Randy Smith, and I'm your host today. And our whole goal on this show is to help educate and inspire the passive investor. And I think we've got a fantastic show for you here. Um, we've got Don Spafford with us today. Don, welcome to the show. Thanks, Randy. My, my pleasure to be here. All right. Well, as we do, why don't we just hop right in? And can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you have arrived to where you are today. Yeah, I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. But uh, so my my uh, background is all around finance. Honestly, I, I uh, have degrees in uh, finance, banking, investment science, portfolio management, and accounting. So uh, I had planned to become a financial advisor, you know, wealth manager type type of uh, position. Um, but by the time I, I finally graduated with, with all those degrees, going part time, so I was trying to raise a family at the same time. So. Um, I, I finally graduated in spring of 2008. And so okay. uh, by the fall of 2008, as you know, most of those financial firms were either going out of business or paying people off. Uh, so it was not a very good time to uh, be looking for positions in that field. <laughs> so, sure. um, you know, lucky for me, I at least had a decent job at the time. I was still working in the financial industry. Um, and so I just decided to hold on to that job I had at least. Uh, it, it was secure. I wasn't in, in risk of being laid off at all, but um, definitely was not the hopes and dreams I was, I was looking for. In fact, I was, I was planning to go on and get a master's degree even and possibly even doctorate. But then I decided, you know, at that point I was like, well, what good is that going to do me? If there's no jobs, you know, it doesn't matter how much education you have. So, uh, yeah. I, I, uh, so I kind of just decided just to hold off and, and wait and see what happens, I guess. And, um, so it wasn't too many years later, my wife actually uh, got her, her license as a realtor. Uh, and she started working with as a real estate agent in Omaha, Nebraska at the time where we lived. And uh, some some of her very first clients were investors, and that's kind of really where I had my eyes opened for uh, real estate investing. You know, I, I think my, mm -hmm. myself, as most people uh, that don't know anything about real estate uh, at that time, like me, was is that I always thought real estate was for the the ultra wealthy and rich. You know, you think of you know Donald Trump stuff with, you know, you got to be a billionaire mm -hmm. to to really do anything with real estate. So, um, so I, I was shocked to learn that uh, you know the average guy can still invest in real estate and get started. So I, you know again I, I I knew nothing about it, so I didn't know about all the average people like myself that were investing in real estate at the time. So anyway, I started uh, getting my my education on that. I, I read books and and uh, uh, you know by the time we were ready to try to start uh, investing in real estate, uh, we actually decided we needed to move uh, from Omaha, Nebraska to Idaho Falls, Idaho, where I'm at now. Uh, and so I put all that on hold. I didn't want to try you know managing properties from long distance. I wasn't ready for that just yet. So uh, we just waited, moved out here in 2015. Uh, and about a year later, you know, after, after getting settled in, got back into it and, and uh, uh, you know, rediscovered everything and, and uh, discovered bigger pockets, which I'd never heard of before that. And uh, that was really where I really ramped up my education and my motivation as well, listening to their podcasts and their uh, the webinars and their, their challenges they do and things like that. So that got me motivated to, to really push forward and find that first deal. So I, I was analyzing properties every day 
looking on the MLS and off off market things as well, and uh, you know discovered a, a four, <clears throat> excuse me a fourplex okay. that uh, you know checked off all the boxes. It had great uh, income, had great potential to increase rents and, and whatnot, and uh, it was you know here in my backyard pretty much. Um, and I, I found a local lender that does a 10% down payment, and oh, wow. I discovered I could leverage my 401k. So I, I actually borrowed most of that down payment from my 401k uh, wow. to purchase that property. So, um, you know, it, it was uh, one of those scary moments, I guess, because there was a lot of things that could go wrong. You know, I, I knew did, still didn't really know everything I, I needed to do, but I knew enough. I, I felt confident yeah. enough that, uh, you know, and I knew I had to get started. Uh, my, my analysis was strong. I, I trusted the numbers. Uh, and, but uh, so I was willing to take that risk, even, even borrowing from my 401k, that, like that, that's risky. But, uh, you know, I was like, I, I've got to get started and this is, this is how it's going to happen. So, uh, we, we closed on that in uh, June of 2017. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it, through a series of other events that kind of followed after that, just, <laughs> you know, we'll call it the, the, the momentum of, of this train going right after that first property, it took a while to get the, the next ones and, and move on. But then I started getting to some commercial things. I got to a, a land flip deal and I got to a couple of development projects and, uh, ultimately, I landed where I'm at today with Happy Camper Capital, and, and we are, you know, purchasing and syndicating RV campgrounds, resorts, and marinas. Um, so, wow. you know, so that's you know within that more or less that that five year time frame. You know, so um, it, it was it was pretty exciting to to uh, kind of look back and see that progression. You know, I, I never would have imagined buying that first fourplex that five years later I'd be, you know, part of these these groups, you know, building or or, or purchasing multi million dollar projects. You know, um, yeah. So it's quite incredible once you see see that that can happen. To anybody, so I tell people, you know, that the sooner you get started, the, the better, because that 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 uh, you know five year period it took, took me five years, it takes somebody else two years or, or three years or maybe ten years, but in any case, even no matter how long it takes you, you can get there a lot faster through real estate than if you don't do real estate. So uh, I yeah, tell absolutely. people just, just you know get started. That's the important thing is just get started and get that momentum going. I, I love it. Wow. So that that is uh, that is a mouthful. You covered a lot of ground there <laughs> yeah. uh, very quickly. And I I do I agree with you. You hear some other folks in the space they talk about. The magic of that first deal. And once you get that first deal, things have a tendency to go very, very fast, right? Because we sit on the sidelines and we're scared to death to jump in. But once we do, um, we've built up all of this knowledge and and all of this, uh, you know, podcast uni university education that we get. And then we're just, uh, we're ready to go. So, and, and what's the saying too? It says you, we often overestimate what we can do in a year and underestimate estimate what we can do in five or 10. And Clearly, clearly yep. you are a good example of that. So, so I'm always fascinated. I hear this path of people getting educated in financial services or financial advising. They either go into that space or they get derailed, but then they end up in real estate. So with that being your path, I'm curious, what is it? Was, was real estate investing always in the back of your mind or was it something you ever even thought about before you found bigger pockets and the other books that you started reading? Oh, I, I first thought about it back in 2008 during, during that market crash when all the housing prices came down. That's really when I first got interested in it. You know, but before that, you know, I, I was, since I was very young, I, I was always interested in, in, in money and finance and, and numbers, you know, so uh, at the age of you know, even 14, I had my first job at 14. And so I was uh, even at 14 years old, you know, we're talking about, you know, pre-internet days, really. So I, I was checking stock prices in the newspaper ads, you know, every day. Because uh, I was interested, and I wanted to follow this, and I wanted to learn it and, and understand it. Because I saw that as how the the path to become you know a, a millionaire or whatever to to have sure. that financial freedom is through through uh, investing. Because that's all I understood or knew. That's all I ever saw. You know, and so real estate was never on my radar. You know, if, if it would have been, I obviously would be in a much better position today. <laughs> I would have started as soon as possible, like at 18 years old, buying a house hack or something. But 
but yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I uh, so, so I was always going after more of that, that stock option to, 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 you know, get these stocks are going to just gonna multiply in value and, and, uh, you know, become wealthy like that. Um, so then when the, the 2008 crash occurred and, and, uh, you know, again, this is before my wife is a realtor. So I was kind of hearing about it through a friend of mine who, who had a friend who was a realtor and kind of telling him about like these houses in Florida, for example, that were, you know, prior to that selling for, you know, 300,000 or now at 70,000. And I was like, wow, that's a huge opportunity. But I was like, <laughs> sure. but I, you know, how am I going to buy that? I don't have 70,000. And, uh, I, I didn't even realize or comprehend, I guess, that you, you get renters to rent your property. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to buy this property and hold on to it, pay these mortgage payments for a few years waiting for it to recover? You know, that, that didn't, you know, it didn't get, didn't click me that uh, renters pay that for you. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I didn't, again, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know how to do it. So I kind of still, like you said, sat on the sidelines uh, and I was, I was focusing in more on, on stocks. I was like, Hey, there's uh, a huge buying opportunity in, in the stock market. So I was buying all these, uh, well, not I say all, again, I didn't have a whole bunch of money, but uh, whatever I could put into it, I, I was buying, you know, these, these stocks that were greatly devalued and um, sitting on that waiting, waiting for them to hopefully re- recover one day and, and, and multiply in value, which, um, I did use some of that to also buy that first fourplex. You know, besides my 401k, I also sold some. Uh, I think it was Bank of America stock or something. I had that. Yeah. To to also make it bring in some of that. So that um, okay. But yeah, that so that so so real estate was never on my radar up to that point. Uh, at least not until uh, my wife became a realtor around like 2011 or 12. Something there. Yeah. Very good. So so your first uh, your first adventure with real estate was a fourplex. You mentioned yep. um, using a strategy of uh, taking a loan out on your 401k for the down payment on that first one. Now I I've done the numbers with 401k loans before that, which they're it's, I think it's a fantastic tool, but you got to pay that back fairly quickly. So did you factor that into the numbers of the 401k loan with the, the fourplex or, yeah, or. So, so, so when I took this loan from, from my provider, uh, at least at the time, the, the interest rate was fairly low. I can't remember now what it was, but, um, it was relatively low. It, we get that interest gets paid back to myself, anyways. It's not really technically, uh, you know, an expense. But, um, yeah. but that, but my plan, since it's not my primary residence, I, I could I could extend it out to five years. So I took that five year payback plan, um, and and I, you know, of course, I ran the numbers in this case. As long as I make an at least enough cash flow that can essentially cover that payment um, yeah. to pay back to my four hundred one k, then you know, I, I call that good enough. And so uh, that was that was my basis that uh, I'm, I can I can at least cover this payment. Um, to, to not, you know, be an additional expense to me to, to pay. Um, and so that was, you know, so, so those numbers worked. Uh, and of course that, that was buying it as is, which I already knew that those rents were under market. So I was going to get those rents up and, and which I did. Um, and so, so, but then by, uh, by, I think the third year or so, um, I had some other, you know, developments and things that took place. I was able to pay back the, the rest of that, that, uh, uh, you know, remaining balance to that 401k to just be done with that, uh, and, yep. and get that pure cash flow back to, to me. So, um, yeah. so yeah, but, but for me, it was, it was I, I saw it as again, kind of a, a limited risk uh, being that, uh, yeah, I, I've got to cover that payment, but the cash flow is going to cover it for me. Uh, and again, it's paying back to myself anyway. So it's not really like, uh, yeah. uh you know, nobody's going to foreclose on me, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, I, again, I saw it as my, my only option really. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of savings and I didn't really have uh, any other options to go with. So I was like, it's either this or nothing. And I knew that I needed to get started and it was the only way I could make it happen. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great tool. Um, and, and it's just another kind of tool in the tool belt that you can reach to when you're early on. I, I love that you mentioned house hacking, which I think is a really, really great thing for people to do. I think loans on 401ks are going to be great. Um, I'm curious with your background in fine or in finance and banking 
your education and your degrees, do you have advice or do you have guidance or training that you provide to folks to um, kind of get them ready for the real estate investing space or any ideas or suggestions that you like to give to to potential investors? Um, so, so no, I don't give any formal education per, per se on, on that. Um, okay. It's not a bad idea though, <laughs> but, but, uh, not really. So, so I, I just, I mean, obviously everybody's different uh, on their, their personal risk tolerance and, 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 uh, you know, their personal financial situation and all that. So I try to, at least when, when I do talk to investors or, or people, I'm trying to explain how, how it's changed my life. You know, I can tell people it's, it's dramatically changed my life, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, back when I, again, this making that first decision to, to invest in that property and, and use borrow my 401k, I was at that point in time, it had a pretty large amount of debt. Uh, and you know, it, it, so a bleak financial future. I was, I was mm-hmm. contemplating, you know, filing for bankruptcy or something just to, to get us out of that bad situation, but I didn't want to do that. Uh, sure. and so I was like, this is, you know, I was like, this real estate is, is my, pretty much last ditch effort to, to change my, my situation. Uh, luckily it did work for me. I mean, again, I tell people, yeah, I, I borrowed from my 401k. I wouldn't necessarily tell everybody to do that because it may not be sure. you know good for everybody. And obviously that was that specific deal. If it would have been uh, a deal that was not as, as good up front, then maybe would not have considered it a good enough risk to, to take. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so for me, I, I, I go over people and help when I do talk to investors again, I, I talk to them about their, their personal situation, um, you know, how much savings, they have, how much income they actually earn, uh, what options they have available. If they have an IRA or 401k or something they could borrow from if needed yeah. and what that would look like. And of course, each, each, each custodian of those plans may have different rules or, or, or things that, that pertain to taking a loan or anything. Um, yeah. And again, I, I try to explain to people, so I did not withdraw from my 401k. Uh, I just took a loan, which is very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so don't withdraw from those accounts if you, if you can avoid it. <laughs> um, but uh, so, 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 I mean, I just again, I just go over what what worked for me. I tell people what what the options I have, and if when I, we discuss with them uh, what they may have available, I'll at least uh, put it out there that you know people like like myself. I didn't even know you could take a loan from your four hundred one k to to invest right. in real estate or something. So so I tell people it's like you know sometimes you, you think yeah you don't have much in savings, but you may have cash available that you can use for something better. And again, for, in my case, my four hundred one k for example, I say okay if I would have left that money in my four hundred one k, my four hundred one k was doing pretty good during those years, right? As, mm-hmm. as most that the marks were going up and whatnot. So, so yeah, I would have gotten a pretty good return. But on that amount that I took out, which again wasn't really that much on a ten percent down payment on this property, so so that as like that little bit I took out would have earned maybe even at worst, best case scenario, say one hundred percent, you know, doubled its money in that that time frame. That still pales in comparison to the value I've gotten from that property. That is yeah. increased in in value. Uh, double or triple the, the property value, uh, wow. which so so basically I, I put down twenty six thousand dollar down payment on that property. Uh, earlier this year, I did a refinance on it and pulled out over a hundred thousand uh, of free cash, you know, from that property, and it still cash flows just as good as it did before I, I refinanced it. So so it's still cash flowing like twelve hundred dollars a month, and I got a hundred thousand plus to to reinvest into something else. Um, so so yeah, that's well worth it for me to take out anything for my 401k and uh you know i even i would even if they would allow me to i'd probably pull out all my 401k um sure. to just reuse it because because i mean the the that value i've gotten out of it is has multiplied in more value than what my 401k is total balance is anyway so it was yeah. definitely well worth it for me and a great decision and i do not regret it no i i yeah and i think that just talks that talks to the power of real estate investing it talks to the power of starting early talks to the power of creative financing and you know uh, folks that are just getting started in this space you know you think that you you've got to have these big buckets of cash sitting on the sidelines in order to get started 
and you just don't. There are get in the in a community where you get around people that are doing some of these creative options, and you'll find that you probably have more options available to you than you ever could imagine. So this is just a really really great example for that. So thanks for walking us through it. So so. You got your fourplex. That's obviously done unbelievable well, unbelievably well. You've got, uh, it says you did some land flipping. You've done a, a few other things, but now you arrive at this space in the RV world, which is super intriguing and exciting to me. I'd love to hear more about this because this is not one that I've, um, I know anything at all about other than the fact that there's RVs and people probably pay to rent them out or something. So yeah, tell me all about that if you can. Sure. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, 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 I'm excited to talk about it. I, I love this space and uh, I'm still relatively new to myself. You know, I only this discovered about a year and a half ago that uh, you can invest in campgrounds. So, uh, okay. so yeah, so, so going back at say, you know, two, two years ago, early of 2021, I was really at that point, really um, pushing forward to get into commercial real estate, you know, seeking after multifamily properties, ideally is what I was doing. Um, I was already involved in, in a, a large multifamily development project, uh, but I was still trying to find some existing multifamily to to either purchase as a JV deal with some other partners, or to to take and syndicate with some other uh, you know deal sponsors. Or, uh, but but for me at that time, even nothing was really penciling out. Nothing met my return criteria that I was looking for. That something that mm -hmm. I would feel comfortable asking somebody else to invest in, especially. Uh, I, I didn't don't feel comfortable putting other people's money at risk. So, uh, so so I was not finding anything that was meeting those returns. And, and so I was uh, just desperately looking for something else. And so I, I started looking into other people's, um, you know, deals that they were putting out some, some syndications. Um, I'd gotten to meet you know, many other multifamily deal sponsors. And so I was looking at dozens of different uh, offerings that they were putting out that, that people were investing in. And uh, honestly, for me, again, I, I was not uh, excited by what I was seeing. The, the numbers weren't great. You know, they were, they were good. I'm mean, not saying they were bad or anything. They, they were decent. And, and of course, real estate is safe. You get the tax benefits and everything. But, but overall I was like, didn't get me excited. You know, I, I was mm -hmm. probably more excited just to invest in Tesla or something instead. But um, so I was just patiently waiting and looking for something better. I, there's got to be something else out here. Uh, and uh, so I listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, and that was, you know, big, again, big part of my education was just listening to podcasts, listening to other people's experiences and what they're doing and, and learning about all these different tactics that are out there. So, uh, so about a year and a half ago, mid, mid 2021, I heard on a podcast, somebody else talking about campgrounds. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Uh, so just to give a little bit of context, where I live in Idaho Falls, Idaho, we're about 90 minutes from Yellowstone Park. Uh, mm. So it's, you know, mountains around here. And it's a big camping area. Lots of people go fishing, hunting, all that kind of stuff. Um, so most of my neighbors have RVs or, or, or campers or, or, you know, so they're out just about every weekend camping. So uh, I was like, okay, there, this could be an interesting uh, niche here. So, so um I initially started looking, or once I heard about this, I went to different uh, like meetup events and webinars that the people talking about campgrounds. And uh, basically my, my goal at that point was just to get my foot in the door. I didn't know anything about it. Like you're saying, I, I didn't know anything mm -hmm. about it, um, but I, I knew that there was potential there. So, so I was like, if nothing else, if somebody's buying campgrounds, somebody might want to buy in this area, being close to Yellowstone makes sense. Uh, so I was offering to be a boots on the ground. I could go check it out, take videos, you know, whatever you need to be done, be an asset manager mm -hmm. uh, nearby. And, and obviously if needed, my wife can help with the purchase, you know, with her real estate license. So that was my initial objective just to, to get that and get my foot in the door, maybe get a small piece of a property. Um, and uh, in talking with different people in, in that space, I, I ran into a couple of guys 
who had just closed on their first property and were looking to grow their team and to to uh, you know do more. They wanted to scale and and uh, acquire more properties and and uh, so they needed help. So we talked about it and discussed. Uh, I guess my skills or or what I was looking for. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was still looking for properties. I was also looking for partners. Um, and so we kind of checked up all the boxes for both of us for, for what I was looking for and also for what they were looking for. And uh, again, the, the numbers that they were telling me that what the kind of returns they were getting on these properties just kind of blew me away. And that's kind of why I was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm definitely investing with you guys if nothing else, because I do see the potential here. And something else that kind of really got me excited was when I, I, I talked to my neighbors about this. So many of my neighbors are, are I'd say relatively high income earners, but uh, none of them invest in real estate. I I'd approached them previously about investing with me in some multifamily deals or some mm-hmm. uh, even that land flip deal when it came up. Is hey you can you can join me with this land flip deal, um, but none of them understand real estate and so they don't really they're, they're too scared of it and it's not it's not their wheelhouse. They're, they they stick with their IRA. <laughs> so, um, sure. but when I mentioned to them uh, that uh, campgrounds is, is something they can invest in, uh, that piqued their interest more because this is now something hmm. they understand. They 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 use campgrounds. Uh, mm-hmm. So why not be invested in, you know, it's kind of like if you, if you were say an iPhone user, you know, why not buy Apple stock it kind of, you know, yeah. makes sense along those lines. So, um, so that got me excited to think, okay, there's a whole, there's a whole group of people here that may not otherwise invest in real estate that could be very well interested in investing in campgrounds. Um, hmm. And so, so yeah, so, so, so that's kind of how I got involved. And uh, so I met these guys and they invited me to join them. And uh, I, I said, Yes, you know, I was. I, I thought about it for for a minute first. I was like, "Do I want this?" I, I don't. Again, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I was, you know, involved in a couple of multifamily mastermind groups and everything. And I was like, "How is this going to look if I'm not doing multifamily now or, or something?" But mm-hmm. but the way I looked at it, you know, my, I, I thought about it for a minute and I was like, "Okay, I saw the potential. I saw some some where things were headed, and and uh, I saw you know the 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 growth of of you know the, the RV sales and and all that and." Yeah, I was okay. I, so I thought about the future. I, I looked at. I was like, three, five years from now, if I look back, am I going to regret not taking this chance to to get involved and in, in, uh, and be with this group and invest in in, in campgrounds? Um, and I decided, you know what, I don't want to regret that. So I was like, what, what have I got to lose? I at least can I can give it a chance, give it a shot. If it doesn't work out, then great. At least I tried, and I won't yeah. regret it. But if it does work out, then this could be the the answer I've been looking for. So. Uh, so yes, yeah, so that was officially you know November of last year, 2021. I, I joined up with with Happy Camper Capital, and uh, and we've had an explosive year this year alone already, and and next year is setting up to be even better. So um, I definitely love this space, and I, I I really love what we're doing, and and uh, you know getting to talk to people, of course, like like yourself, most investors I t- I speak with. I've never heard of investing in campgrounds before. So yeah. it's something new and, and exciting people like to hear about. Yeah, it's not just yeah. another average multifamily deal that everybody else is, is sharing. So uh, it gets people excited, especially the people that love being outdoors and they, they love camping already. It's like, you know, this is spot on with, with what, uh, what what makes sense for them. So, and, and there are some trends in the camping and RV space over the last few years that really make this kind of an opportune time to invest in the space. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Well, obviously, as you know, I'm sure you know, campgrounds have been around forever. It's not something mm-hmm. new, right? These have been around for, for decades. A lot of the properties that we purchase are, are you know, generational owned, you know, through, through their great grandparents may have started or something. So, um, but with, you know, I think a lot of this has to do with the, the pandemic as, you know, many people have mentioned uh, the pandemic didn't really change trends. It just kind of pushed trends forward the, the direction they were already heading, kind of, kind of give a boost to everything like, like, you know, zoom calls and, and uh, things like that. So, uh, the campground space was already being popular, but it just now propelled it forward because of, uh, I think, a couple of reasons here. Uh, one is that, uh, you know, people were now able to re- work remotely. 
So you get a lot of people that are, are now no longer tied down to have to stay and live where they're at. They can now live on the road and, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. call 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 a new city home every month if they want. So mm-hmm. people have that mobility to travel. So you get people that are taking out in their RVs and living in their RV and traveling the country, working from home. Uh, so they're staying in these campgrounds because they, of course, have the amenities to keep the family entertained and, and, and uh, you know, take good showers and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, so that's a big part of it. And then also, as of uh, at least the last couple of years, th- the largest group of new RV purchasers are, are millennials. Uh, so you have these millennials and now even Gen Z that are getting in there. Uh, again, it kind of goes back to one having that that uh, you know working remotely option, but also in the last couple of years in particular, the the housing prices have gone up so high and been so competitive that they can't even buy a house. So if you can't buy a house, keep trying to compete with everybody else, why not just buy an RV instead? You know, and, and, and again live life on the road. If you, you're not tied down, like you know. I want to explore. You know, looking back at myself, twenty years ago, if I could have had that option, I would have loved to have you know lived in someplace new and not not settle in a certain place, but get to explore different areas of the country and decide where where do I like best to go live. You know, eventually yeah. permanently. So so that was kind of a, a big push, I think, for for a lot of it. And and uh, but but really this today, like the the this millennial and Gen Z group um, are among the the largest group of of new campers and new you know get new RV, not only just RV purchase but just campers in general going to these sure. campgrounds. So that's kind of giving a, a push to really make these campgrounds more modern as well. So not just the the basic place to go, you know, start a fire and, and s'mores, but they want, you know, the the entertainment and, and things to do there. So so that's kind of what we are, are, are shooting for. We we buy campgrounds and we do a value add process. We kind of similar to value add on multifamily, but we value add these campgrounds. Uh, one includes building out more additional, uh, you know, camping spaces, but also adding on those amenities. Uh, like, you know, concert events or you know, aqua parks and, uh, of course, great strong Wi-Fi for people that work from home. Mm. Um, and, and uh, you know, so all these different things are going to attract people to come there and, and uh, you know, and, and want to stay there and just, you know, ha- have fun. So uh, that's kind of what we what we do and what we provide. Outstanding. Yeah. So it, it's much bigger. Like when you said camping initially, I'm thinking campgrounds, just like the KOAs of the days back back when I used to camp as a kid. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's really much more than that. It is kind of like a destination uh, destination event where you're going to not just for the scenery, but for the the special things that are actually at the facilities that you're providing to the guests. So, yeah, very interesting. So, now are are these? Because um, in my mind, I'm picturing that you're buying land, and there's there's some some concrete and some blacktop, and maybe some structural things that you add to it for showers or things like that. Um, is is this primarily a land play, or is this like if you were to look at like what percentage of this is actual like uh, capex that you're using or um, hardscapes or those types of things. It's I don't, I don't even know the terminology to ask the question, but yeah, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no problem. Well, well, so first of all, as of right now, everything we buy is existing campgrounds. We we have, we have not yet done any ground up new development. That isn't our plans down the road. But right now, we are purchasing existing campgrounds uh, from again from typically mom and pop owners. That we're, we are buying them off market in most cases. Um, okay. and, uh, even about half the time we were getting seller financing as well. So, uh, so we call up the campgrounds directly, you know, talk to the owners, work out a deal. Um, and we look for, again, we look for opportunities that where we can do a value add, but we look for them that obviously that they are up to already be existing and, and, and doing well as is. So if we can purchase, just buy these turnkey and, and still give a great return to our investors without doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but by doing what we do to, to implement, first of all, uh, getting a better online presence with, uh, you know, uh, online reservations and dynamic pricing. Uh, that alone is going to increase the, the revenue of the property. Then we uh, preferably try to find ones that have additional land where we can 
can build on. So, so again, we are doing that sense of development where we're adding on more spaces to an existing campground. Um, and, uh, so, so, so yeah, there's a lot of, you you think of it as mostly land, but there's a lot of infrastructure that goes in there. You got the roads that go in all the utility connections, cause each campsite is going to have those electrical and, and, uh, you know, say water connections and things. Um, so all that infrastructure gets put in there. So, so in the case of, let's say de- depreciation, that's a big question that comes up from a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So like, what about the depreciation? You think it's all just land, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, you know, I can't, I won't, I'm not a you know, tax advisor or, or anything like that, but, yeah. but uh, from what I have seen uh, through, through some examples, anyway, depending on the property, uh, you may actually see higher depreciation than you see in multifamily because no of kidding. those, those, those roads and that infrastructure that has like a five or 10 year depreciation schedule instead of the, you know, 27, 30 year. Um, so, so getting that, that, uh, uh, accelerated depreciation brings in those five and 10 year ones much faster and, and uh, gets you potentially a higher depreciation back on those. So, um, okay. So, and, and is it, um, so th- that, that was another question I was going to ask was depreciation. Cause that is as a passive investor, that's one of the biggest, biggest benefits that come to the table. Um, value add, I understand adding more spots. So the question would come to mind, I guess, one, are the municipalities, um, open and excited to see expansion in this space? Is it something that they want in their communities? Yes, definitely. So th- these are, again, to keep in mind, these are not mobile home parks, you know, so just right. to give people, you know, these are a totally different thing. Mobile home parks have definitely a, a stigma. And, and as far as I know, in most cases, they're not allowed to build new ones. Yeah. Uh, these campgrounds, though, they are, as you mentioned before, these are vacation resorts. So these bring tourists essentially to the area. So municipalities love them because they're going to bring in uh, additional uh, expenses for the community. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me now. We, we were just at a conference this last week. Um, the, the Association of uh, RV Campgrounds, uh, it, 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 we did a big event in Orlando last week. We, we were there with a booth and, and talking, but um, awesome. they put out they put out some some statistics. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was something like for, for every campground uh, or every individual camper in a campground brings in about, uh, I want to say it was $100 or something to, to, to the community in general, just in, in tax revenue from, from you know, yeah. so they come to our campgrounds of course for, for the, to have a place to stay and entertain, but they still go out to the cities nearby to go do other things and go to restaurants and that kind of stuff. So, so they yeah. still bring money to the community and, and all that. So, so yeah, the, the municipalities love them. There's in fact, there's, there's a lot of new campgrounds being developed uh, right now as is because there is a huge demand for them. Yeah, very good. Yeah, thank you for that. And that, and that makes perfect sense. And thank you for clarifying the difference between mobile home communities as well, because I can see why a municipality would want this type of clientele coming to their communities, because these are people escaping the city, trying to get out. Um, you know, normally they might be going and spending hundreds of dollars a night at, at resorts, whereas in this case, maybe it's a little more economical and then they can spend some dollars in the community. So that makes a ton of sense. Now, from an operator standpoint, I know in the multifamily space and a lot of the other ones, they tar- start looking at other ways to add value. So are you guys um, charging fees for uh, internet or charging fees for showers? Or there Are there ways for you guys to make extra dollars, maybe premium spots or something? Is there ways that you're driving additional net operating income as well? Kind of all the above and more. So, so uh, what's okay. great about campgrounds is you're... You're almost, I'd say, unlimited on, on as far as what you can do to it to, to increase revenue and, and potential there. So, um, so yeah, there, there's it's what we focus on in, with Happy Camper Capital. We we are after the more transient type of campgrounds and campers. So, you, you, even within the campground space, you got 
two types. You've got the, the long-term or seasonal renters that stay there, you know, maybe six months or even, you know, longer term. There's some areas okay. like in, in Texas are, are big on such a long-term stay. So very much more like a mobile home park, but with RVs. Yeah. Uh, we are more on, on this transient side. So it's very much similar, like a short-term rental, basically, uh, which is why they do produce such high revenue. We've got like hundreds of multi hundreds of short-term rentals on, on a single property, right? So, um, so we got you're going to have your, your nightly rentals, your seasonal rentals, uh, any other, you know, long-term stays. So all those by themselves are going to produce different levels of income. Um, and then, like you said, we do have those, uh, the utility chargebacks, um, and depending on the, the location, the campgrounds, we, we, uh, we tend to charge for that internet connection fee. Um, there could be uh, all those, again, all those other amenities that they're, they're coming there for, uh, they're going to pay to use like the, the, the aqua park or rent a boat or, uh, an ATV hmm. or, you know, or go horseback riding, whatever it may be, these, these different things they can pay for to, to go do, um, <clears throat> of course the, the laundry services, you know, showers, that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, you're going to have usually a, a, a convenience store. So they're going to go and, you know, buy hmm. snacks and, and, and things, you know, all those are bringing additional expenses or, or income. Um, in some cases we have some campgrounds that we, we are either, either have where we're installing a uh, concert venue. So again, people wow. that are in that, those are nearby communities within, you know, an hour or two away want to come out for, again, they may not even have a camper or may not even go camping at all. They can just come there, have fun for day, play on the lake and go to a concert at night. Uh, and then, you know, go back home or stay there overnight in one of the cabins or glamping options we may have. Um, we have some that actually have hotels on site as well. So uh, there's many different options there that, that bring in, you know, tend to be, I'd say on average, about maybe 10 different income streams per, per campground. Uh, that's just going to help build that revenue overall. But again, the, the, the great thing is there's almost unlimited upside potential because, you know, anything you can think of, you could pretty much add in there. You know, mm -hmm. uh, even just, you know, you, you've got uh, some, some water, even just a small pond, you could, uh, you know, buy a couple of paddle boards and, and just start charging people that are trying to paddleboard, you know, <laughs> sure. 10 bucks an hour, whatever it may be. And, and within, yeah. you know, a couple months it pays for itself and then it's just generating income beyond that. And so, um, so yeah, it, 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 it's, it's pretty neat. Then you think about that, there's, uh, it's not like you have a limited, like with, with multifamily, I use it for example, you know, you, you almost have a limited as far as you can go with, with, with uh, what you can do. Cause you, you yeah. can, even if you say put in gold plated toilets, people are probably not going to pay $5,000 a month for a you know, $500 <laughs> <Sure>. apartment. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so you can't really go beyond a certain point uh, in, as much as you can do to really get past that market rent. But in this case, you know, we're not just charging for the, the rent for the spaces. It's all the other stuff that people are paying for while they're there. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So, um, so it sounds like there's a tremendous amount of upside and it's really, uh, it's a newer market. It, yes, camping's been around forever, but this syndication model in RV space in right. camping is fairly new. So I'm sure we're going to see this evolve. Yeah. I suspect we'll yeah. see a lot of technology coming in as well, where there'll be, um, yeah. you know, for operators as well. We saw that in self-storage and mobile home and all of these other communities. So yeah, very exciting. Now, as as an investor, it always comes down to what is the what do the returns look like? And what are the risks? So sure. from a risk standpoint, it seems like this would do very well during recessionary times because it's much yes. cheaper than going to a resort. So do you guys have any kind of statistics on what this has looked like over past recessionary periods? Or can you talk to that a bit? Um, you know, we, we do, I don't have those stuff top of my head. Though, but, yeah. Yeah. But, that was but, a little detailed question, but, but, yeah. uh, but you know, I, I can tell you, like, as you, you mentioned though, they are recession re resistant and, and, and that goes kind of twofold, I think. So you get the, the, we'll say, we'll say the average income earner, right. That, um, may, uh, still, you know, people are still gonna take vacation and no matter what's going on, people want to still take vacations and go out and have fun. So, yep. uh, so we, we, we purposely look for properties ourselves with, with happy camper capital. We, we buy within about a two hour drive of a major metropolitan, metropolitan area. 
And right. that's therefore gives that, that kind of built in user base. So um, in a case like a recession, people may not be going to uh, go to Disney world because they don't want to spend that much money or even pay that much just to get there just for the, the gas and things. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if you have an RV, you, you may won't go cross country paying, you know, $6 a gallon. So, but you'll still go out in a couple hours drive to go have fun and use it. So, uh, so that, therefore, you know, people that are in that kind of space, they're maybe limited on, on income. will still can go that couple hours drive to go have fun and have a, a staycation or, or something. Mm-hmm. Then you got the other, the other, uh, spectrum on that is that, uh, the people that have these, we'll say higher end RVs or, or fifth wheels that are, you know, hundred thousand and up on, on these basically a luxury item, um, they're ones that are typically are not going to be as affected by a recession anyway, because they're, they have that higher income anyway. So those people are, are still, again, they've got this, we'll say $200,000 toy sitting in their driveway. They don't want to just have it sitting there and not using it. So they're still going to go out and go use mm-hmm. it and, and have fun and, and take it out. So, uh, so overall these cameras, campgrounds are still going to stay occupied and, 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 and full, uh, you know, during, during any type of, you know, recession of what's going on. Uh, I'd say worst case scenario. So, so uh, you know, I, I, I use this example many times. So if people say, what happens if people just stop camping, which of course is, isn't really going to happen, but let's just say worst case scenario, like world war three, right. Nobody's going out and doing anything. <laughs> sure. They're scared. Right. Yeah. So these properties can easily be converted into a long-term stay. We, we can convert them to an RV park and have people just plug in and stay there long-term or drop, you know, tiny homes or cabins and make it a full-on living community to, to yeah. still thrive and, and maintain it at least during that type of situation. Um, so, so there's, you know, again, an easy plan B or, or C, whatever it may be uh, to, to, to do that. Um, so, so overall there's very limited risk really for, for, for that. Um, and then for as far as the income side, um, what we provide to to our investors. So if you were to invest with us as an LP investor, uh, on our average deal, uh, we're looking at about a 15% cash on cash. So that's actual annual cash flow, not uh, not you know built in backdated, wow. you know from from you know year one you invest with us, you're gonna start getting cash flow right away. But the average of that five year period is about a 15% cash on cash, uh, and then a 20% maybe plus IRR. Uh, so that works out about two and a half to three X multiple in that five year hold. So comparing that to, to what you see in, in, in most other multifamily deals or, or other things where, you know, that's usually about double or triple what you're seeing in, in most other cases. Um, yeah. and get the, the big, the big thing is get, you get that cash flow right away. It's not like, you know, you get a small bit of cash flow and then, then your big, you know, equity bump at the end, you're getting good cash flow right from the start. And, uh, of course the other added benefit is you can actually go to these campgrounds if you want, hang out there, have fun enjoy it, you know, get, sure. you know, create some memories and experiences with your investment. We, we actually encourage that. We want our investors to go there. We actually provide up to a one week free stay per year at any of our campgrounds to our investors and, and a discount beyond that. So you can stay there throughout the year and use it with your friends and family. You know? So, um, Fantastic. We, we, yeah. so we, we encourage that. We want our investors to, to love it, enjoy it and, uh, and be excited about those returns and being part owner of these campgrounds and talk about it with their friends and, you know, bring people to invest more with us. I love it. Yeah, no, very exciting. Sounds like you guys, uh, you found a home and it sounds like you're super excited about it. Um, it, it certainly shows through in the excitement that you're sharing here. So, and, and those returns are just unbelievable, of course. So now are these, are these, uh, are these buy and hold or there is there, what's the exit strategy on the back end for you guys as an operating group? Sure. Yeah. So we, 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 uh, we tell investors coming in to expect a five-year hold. Um, if we hit our numbers sooner, like we, we hit that 21% IRR, uh, say like year three or something, we, we may look to exit sooner than, than five years. Um, okay. But we always say at least plan for a five-year hold. Um, and so on, on the back end, you know, the, 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 there's, I guess, two, uh, two options that we look to. We of course want to long-term hold them. 
so we would look, would look to by year five, uh, refinance the property. You know, we would get a third party appraisal uh, to appraise the property and then refinance and, and pay back all of our investors, their, their, their capital plus the equity. Um, plan B is if, if the, the space is just going insane, it's on fire, uh, as we do predict it probably will be. Because right now, as you mentioned, uh, you know, self-storage and mobile home parks, like if you look back five years ago, there weren't a lot of people doing those. And all of a sudden, everybody jumped in and, and they just, they just went crazy. And so uh, mm-hmm. this space is kind of like that right now. It's kind of that initial point where people are starting to take notice and, and go after it. So the mm-hmm. next few years, we see the space being a lot hotter and, and, and more institutionalized than it is right now. And so if that's happening at that point, of course, then if it makes more sense to do, we would just sell it on the open market and it could even possible higher, uh, you know, overvalued <laughs> purchase from somebody else to, to, to yeah. pay it off. So, uh, so essentially there's, there's two ways out either way. We, we have a guaranteed buyer we'll say at the end. So, so there's no risk of who's going to buy it. Um, you know, that, that, that's not an issue. Uh, even is right now, again, there, there are other institutional groups buying uh, even those, you know, hundred million dollar properties, you know, so um, awesome. that's not going to be a, a problem at all. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I looked down and oh, gosh, we're at 40 minutes. I feel like we could, I could ask uh, 30 more que- or 30 more minutes worth of questions here, but uh, maybe we'll save that for another time. But I, I, I do like to finish if I can with just a couple of real quick questions. Um, if I could, uh, I'm, I'm curious in your real estate journey, obviously it's been, um, a really neat journey from the fourplex all the way to, to what you're doing today. Um, can you talk a little bit about the resources you used, any specific books, any specific podcasts you can reference to help our passive investors co- to continue to become educated in the space? Sure. Yeah. Well, again, for, so for me, I, I, I'd say a great part of my initial education came from podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, but before I knew anybody in the multifamily space or commercial real estate, I was pretty much focused on the, the, the basic ones that helped me, uh, which were not just real estate. It was also finance, you know, so I, I really enjoyed back then. So I still give people a great place to start. Of course, it's bigger pockets with, with all of their different podcasts they have now. Yeah. Um, and, and aside from that, I, I, I listened to a lot and I still enjoy it. Like, uh, the choose FI, uh, is, is a, you know, financial uh, independence podcast. Um, the mad scientist. Uh, let's see here. Um, get rich education. Uh, okay. You know, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, the, the gentle art of crushing it is, is a great podcast to listen to. Thank you. And, thank uh, you. You know, get, get, get your education and, and learn. So the, the, the point is that just to, to on this podcast is not just to be entertained. It's actually to, to learn, be educated and, and yeah. uh, hear of different options that are out there that people may not know about. And, uh, you know, that, that's been a big part for me. And, uh, and then as far as books go, uh, again, the, the, um, I actually enjoy textbooks so the the uh, the the books on uh let's see it's called um uh the the tax-free wealth by tom wheelwright that's a great one um even even being a tax book it's not actually boring it's pretty cool they learn a lot of good good real estate tricks there um uh the richest man in babylon is a book i I enjoy a lot um it's a quick easy read but but lots of great uh just meat in there to to pick up on and and uh improve your own personal situation and control your spending all those kind of things um, yeah. And then the, 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 the book that I read right when I, when I was buying that first fourplex that really helped me a lot is the, um, uh, what's it called here? The book on managing rental properties, I think is what's called by, by Brandon Turner, a bigger pocket. Yeah. His wife on that one. Um, that was a great book to, to, uh, kind of learn how to, how to manage a property really. So, so that was yeah. a, a big one for, for me, um, that helped early on. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you for all of those. It's so neat. I I could look down my bookshelf and see every one of those that you mentioned. So um, awesome suggestions. So, and actually, not a lot of people mention The Richest Man in Babylon, and I I love parables. 
um, I learn better through parables. So that, that is one of my favorite books as well. So, um, so yeah, how can our, uh, investors, uh, or our listeners actually find you if they want to learn more about Happy Camper, uh, Capital? Sure. Well, uh, ideally they can come to our website, happycampercapital.com. Uh, you know, okay. easy to remember. Um, register there, you know, just to, to get on our investor portal. First of all, you know, you, there's no obligation with that. It just gives you access to see the kind of deals we are doing. We we do have deals for both accredited and non-accredited investors. So so anybody's welcome to get on there. Uh, currently, we do have a a five hundred six C you know accredited investor fund that's open uh, that we are currently uh, focusing on that to to bring in investors that want to be invested in multiple campgrounds. Um, and then uh, so you so you can go there. You can also find me there on on the go to the about us tab. You'll see. Our, our whole team there. You'll find my name. Uh, you can actually schedule a call with me directly there to to you know get on a call and, and talk about you know your situation and what you're doing. Uh, and of course, okay. you can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, and and uh, that's kind of been my my home the last couple of years just to be on my, my that's my that's pretty my best social media spot is, is LinkedIn. I enjoy it there, and uh, I'm quite active on there, putting different random posts and trying to have fun uh, and educate awesome. people too. All right, very good. And then one one final question, kind of a fun one. Do you have a recent bucket list item you've checked off your list, and do you have one, hopefully, to be checking off in the near future? Um, trying to think here. If I checked off one, uh, I don't think I've checked off one recently. No. Um, okay. The, the 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 big one that I plan to check off, though, it, my wife was telling me to to it's going to be my fiftieth birthday things we'll see if it can wait that long but um but i want to go to egypt i, I love uh, ancient egypt and the whole culture and, and everything and so uh, i want to take a trip to egypt and, and uh so so that's my that's my my big bucket list item is to go to egypt so uh, that's gonna happen i love it the next within the next five years at least yeah. there we go from fourplex to pyramids right very good <laughs> sure very good well, awesome, Don. It was, uh, yeah, it was super fun having you on the, the podcast. I really enjoyed learning all about this space. Um, or I, I guess probably really just scratching, scratching the tip of what we can learn in this space, but you, you shared the information with a lot, a lot of energy and excitement. Uh, so thanks so much for being on the show. My, my pleasure. Thank you for, for inviting me. And, uh, obviously if anybody wants to learn more, feel free to reach out to me and I'd love to talk to you. Outstanding. And to our listeners, I'll, I'll say, as I always do, just continue to educate yourself, um, continue to, uh, you know, do the research that you need to do to get the confidence to make that first passive investment. Cause once you do, uh, we are so confident that you'll continue to go back to that space time and time again. So thanks again for listening today. And, uh, we look forward to having you on another podcast. Thank you. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the gentle art of crushing it. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.